Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is an eyewitness account of the eruption of Tarawira Mountain, as given by Mr. Roger Deremir Dancy. A post and telegraph operator of Rotorua. Of course, Mr. Roger Delamere Dancy was by no means the only eyewitness to the eruption. In 1886, Willie Bennett was a 12-year-old shop boy living in the village of Tewairoa. Well, the time was winter, on the 10th of June to be exact, year 1886. Day was a Wednesday. It was at about 12:30 a.m. that the trouble began. While enjoying our cocoa, Mrs. Dancy, seated on the hearthrug, remarked that she felt a slight earth tremor, so slight that I, seated on a chair, felt nothing. Then she felt another after several minutes, then another which I also felt, and so on they came, getting gradually stronger and stronger until the windows of the house rattled and we said earthquakes, and we counted over thirty and lost count when the intervals between them became shorter and shorter until the whole place was quivering. Dancy ran outside and saw what he thought was an electrical storm over the volcano. Willie Bennett was asleep when the tremors began, but he didn't stay that way for long. I was no sooner out of my bed than I was on the floor, for the earthquakes were so severe one couldn't stand unless one held onto something. And as soon as we got outside, we could see the trees and buildings swaying to and fro, and it was rumbling like long-distant cannons going off. Everywhere one looked, the trees and the houses were shaking and bowing and at us, and the noise was terrible. And I heard the men talking about the Russians trying to blow New Zealand out of the water. Then all of a sudden, one of the men said, "No, it's Tarawera in eruption," and he pointed at a big black cloud that was coming over our way from Tarawera, and we could then see a reflection of light from about the mount, and the noise was still terrific. And the earthquakes were still just as bad as ever, and we were now on our way to Ohinamutu. While watching the lightning and wondering why sheet lightning on such a cold night and no clouds visible in its direction, I saw several bright blue rockets shoot out at short intervals from the mountain and high up into the starlit heavens at an angle of about forty-five degrees. The tremors finished, and Dancy went to bed to read. I'd only been in bed about twenty minutes when suddenly there was a terrific roar. I thought it was caused by a huge earthquake kind of wave coming along. It seemed to have an above and an underground sort of sound about it, and threatened to engulf everything before it. And I jumped up and came to the back door, which opened in the direction of the mountain. And to my intense amazement, I saw an immense column of fire, miles in height, rushing up heavenwards with a frightful roar. It appeared to be from 300 to 400 yards in width, even at a distance of 10 miles, and of even width right from its base up to the very top. Where it was cut off square with its sides, it was not a flame of fire, but an immense solid column of fire rushing up perpendicularly. Its sides were not jagged, but even, even as the edges of a board. The whole district for many miles around was lit up with a blood red light. Even the waters of Lake Rotorua and the surrounding bush-clad hills seemed much nearer. It was possible to read a paper in the streets of Rotorua. All the many hundreds of hot springs and lukewarm ones around us were immediately affected and boiled furiously. 
and long extinct ones got a fresh start with powerful jets of steam hissing from cracks in the rocks in the earth. New geysers started in numbers along the southwest shore of Lake Rotorua, and some could be seen spurting up columns of water a hundred yards out in the lake where it was shallow. After an interval of 10 to 15 minutes, a huge second and similar column of fire in every respect broke out on the left of the first one and about a quarter mile away from it with a terrifying roar. Then I saw a huge snow-white cloud suddenly rise up on the right of the first column of fire, and as it rose up higher and higher, the tremendous glare from the two great columns of fire was reflected on its northeast face. I doubt if a larger cloud of steam has ever been seen. By half past two, each of Tarawera's three domes were erupting, with a ten-kilometre-high plume of smoke from the southern dome. Tarawera had split open along an enormous 17-kilometre rift. An hour later, Lake Rotomahana's vents went up in a devastating pyroclastic surge, destroying six Māori settlements. The loss of life was near total. In Te Wairua, the decision was made to try and get out. As we walked along, somebody said, if we get through to the Tikitapu bush before this cloud burst, we would be all right. But if we couldn't, we would be killed in the bush by the trees falling on us. And as I heard this, I sat down on the culvert and cried, saying, if we have to die, let us die at home instead of in the bush. Our men walked on and called me to come on, but I wouldn't. So they came back, and I think it was Joe McRae said, well, if the little bee won't come with us, we will have to go with him. And how lucky we were. We went back and hadn't got to Sophia's quarry when the lava and scoria started falling, and it was hot and as thick as porridge. When we got to Sophia's quarry, we found it nearly full of people. Sophia was Sophia Hinerangi of Nati Uruanui, the famous pink and white terraces tour guide, who had earlier famously claimed to have seen a waka wairua, or phantom canoe that predicted doom. Sixty-two people sheltered in her whare that night, the steep pitch of its roofs proving strong enough to withstand the falling debris. Roger Dancy was still outside, watching from the relative safety of Rotorua. Just then a troop of natives passed me at the double, puffing and blowing and looking as if they couldn't run very much further. They had run in all the way from Wakariwariwa, two miles away, and one more deadbeat than the others stopped and talked to me. Friend, he said, it's awful out there. The whole place heaved. Every cauldron, spring and pool boiled furiously, and you know how close our warriors are to them. Every geyser spouted, even those that had been quiet for many years. Great jets of steam hissed savagely from thousands of old cracks. We didn't know by what track to escape. Then that awful roar with everything becoming red as blood, and we knew not what the cause or whence it came, for the range of hills so close behind us prevented us from seeing till we got close here. The stupendous combined roar from these eight separate craters was heard in Auckland, about 130 miles away in a straight line, and mistaken by some for heavy man-of-war guns off the immediate coast, and others allege hearing it as far as Christchurch. The electric storm still raged furiously and continued for some time, and then it ceased. It ceased as suddenly as it had started. By 5.30am, it was all over. In Te Wairua, Willie Bennett and the other survivors crept outside to greet a new and terribly altered world. We found that the mud and scoria were still too soft and hot, so we had to wait another long time. Then we were able to walk on it without sinking too deeply into it. And we had a look at the different places and our shop in particular as I was thinking of my velvet suit that I had brought from Australia and my pet pig that I had taught to follow me about. And as we looked at our shop, 
you could see about three feet of the walls. The rest was all broken in, so I knew both my valuables were gone. It was on the side of the road that I saw the most sickening sight I have ever seen, for there were about five or six head of cattle standing there with their heads down, and blood had been running all down their ribs, where the stones had cut through the hides, and they had their heads down, almost touching the ground. And when we got to the top of the hill, we could see Rotorua Lake and Mokoya Island standing up so majestically, and I said to my mates, I'm off, and I ran on ahead of them. It was just about here that I met Ted Robertson and his coachload of food and water. And he stopped his horses, and in answer to his questions, I told him that the men were just a little distance ahead of him, and off he went, and I do believe I was the first one to arrive in the town from Waira after the eruption. Rescue parties from Rotorua and Ohinimutu were beginning to reach the survivors. Roger Dancy dutifully, but not very hopefully, made his way to his telegraph office. The telegraph line north of us was destroyed for long stretches in several places and was beyond immediate repair. I managed to get Napier, 150 miles south of Rotorua, but very faintly on one wire at 8 a.m., and shall I ever forget either, when in answer to my call, I heard the wee Morse signal say, N.A., Napier, here, N.A., Napier, N.A. The toll on the people of the Tuhorangi and Ngāti Tahi iwi was terrible, with more than 100 dead. Seven Europeans were also killed. The story of Tarawera in the eruption certainly overshadows all other stories of the thermal region. And I think it would be right to say that it has been the one upheaval of nature in this country that has become tragically famous throughout the world. The effect of the damage that night can also be seen to this day in the buried village where a deposit of hot stones, scoria, and ash fell to a depth of six to eight feet. Maoris living in the village of Tokoniho or Waitangi, Ariti and Momora on the shores of Lake Tarawera had lived there practically all their lives, like their parents before them. They hadn't the slightest hint or warning that anything unusual was about to happen. When suddenly the convulsion took place about midnight, those poor people were just buried alive without a possible chance of saving anything or themselves. Roger Delamere Dancy died in 1900. His written account was read and recorded in the 1960s. Willie Bennett went on to be a tour guide on Mount Tarawera. He recorded his account in 1954, on the 68th anniversary of the eruption. I know that I am lucky to be here to tell the tale and question that I and many others are asking is, will there be another Tarawera? Who knows? Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.